Shakers, not your typical run-of-the-mill stories. We're putting a spotlight on movers and shakers from everyday heroes, social stars to A-list celebs, and what's going down on campus. I'm so excited about my tastemaker tonight. He's a difficult one for me to introduce because this is somebody I know personally. We were at Vits together. And he goes off and writes an incredible book, which has been one of my favorite reads of 2023. Welcome, Mandlali Shiva, uh, who is the author of Boy on the Run. It's a memoir that is uh, shortlisted for the UJ Debut Prize and longlisted for the Sunday Times Nonfiction Award. His work has a, literally appeared everywhere. Mail and Garden, Daily Maverick, G. There's so many. The Journal for Contemporary African Studies, various magazines. He was also a multimedia journalist, uh, as well as an arts and lifestyle editor. Really just an incredible author I have in studio tonight. Welcome to the show. Yay! Thank you so, so much. I'm so excited to be here. You went and studied and studied and studied and studied and studied. And we studied were, and studied and studied. Listen, <laughs> we were in the same anthropology class yes. throughout. I mean, we both made From first year, yes. Yeah. I remember I was like, oh, I I know her from TV. <laughs> we're in class now. Yes. yes. Uh, we were in first year together. You carried on with anthropology. Yes. Then you went and you did your honors. Yes. In anthropology and media studies. Yes. I like tried doing both, a bit of both. But it was actually in anthropology. Yeah. And I did a very risque topic. Please tell me about this risque topic you did. Because when I was reading your book, which we'll get into, yes. I was like, oh my goodness. Welcomes paper. <laughs> is I know there were parts in my book where I was like, is this allowed? Because it's like a bit, um, can I say X-rated? Yeah. Um, but the project for my honors was a nude bar yes. in Johannesburg. Yes. Um, and part of my honors, part of the honors project for anthropology was finding a social space to mm. study or any space um, mm. to study. And I'd heard of this place where men go um, and it's like you have to get butt naked from the door and all sorts of things happen. And it sounded so far-fetched yes. to me the first time I'd heard of it and so the one time I met someone who said they knew of this place yeah. I was like is this for real and at the time I was actually um, shopping for a topic for my essay yeah. and when the person said this place is for real I thought it was a great excuse for me to go there <laughs> for my honors project <laughs> <laughs> I think the geek in me was like let's make this an academic yeah, exercise yeah, yeah yeah it doesn't need to be a party exercise <laughs> but let's make it an academic exercise yeah come out with something thoughtful rich and engaging um, from the experience and I was joking earlier that I said to myself I'd better get a distinction for this paper because I put my butt on the line I I mean you literally literally put your butt on the line for that it's so crazy how you immerse yourself so much in your studies how important is that when one is doing a postgrad because you went off and you did another postgrad in media media studies and journalism at Rhodes University Um, and for that study I looked at the Maiden Guardian 200 young South Africans oh beautiful um, the list and the kind of constructions of citizenship um, in post-apartheid South Africa where many young people are struggling for you know access to participating in the economy mm. um, and you know I spoke to a lot of people who were on the who were on the list and I did like a focus group with some people about their perceptions on the um, on the list but I think it's very important to immerse yourself into the kind of topic or subject yeah. you want to write about so that you're not writing from a distance and mm. you know know from our class in anthropology <laughs> yeah. um, that's you know a deep immersion into the topic or place or people you're writing about is important you almost have to be an insider um, into the and become one of the people yes. you're writing about because
because when you kind of look at people as other, I mean, we can't, this happens generally that we look at each other as different, mm. but there's a point at which when you are immersed and you are participating in the kind of activities um, that the people you are studying or writing about, um, you tend to get a deeper perspective, deeper sense of the kind of places you're supposed to write about. Even in my book, a lot of the places I describe my childhood places, um, university spaces like i had to actually go back and revisit some of these spaces so that i could um immerse myself again because it's one thing to immerse yourself at your desk writing Mm. and remembering but it's another to be there at that space and take in those details there were places where i would go physically and with my pen list every single detail i could um kind of um, get from those spaces and I really do think that details are you know what makes a story important Absolutely. and universal you know talking about that um, styling gel <laughs> yeah, yeah. I used with my mom you yes. know someone is going to relate to that unlike just saying yeah. a hair product so I yes. think specificity is very important and I think it's what makes a story you know in a strange way universal the more specific and detailed you are about what you went through the more people are going to see themselves it's really true what they say that um, we are more alike than we are different absolutely for somebody that doesn't understand the study of anthropology um, how would you explain it very simply to somebody because they could be a matric student who's sitting right now they're about to get accepted into a BA and they might get the chance to do anthropology and so because I remember when I picked anthropology in school I didn't even know what it was about you know I was like oh this sounds interesting and fell in love with it to the point where it became my major but for somebody who doesn't know exactly what the study of anthropology is how would you explain it in simple terms so I think in simple terms you know, they say it's the study of people yes. and the study of culture. I remember when I, how I came to study anthropology. I also didn't know mm. about anthropology <laughs> until I got to bits. But yes. I was like, I want to be a journalist. I'm yes. going to be a journalist. What's the, because vets doesn't have a journalism um, I mean, they undergrad, undergrad um, yes. course, so you can only do your honors in journalism and vets. Mm. Um, but undergrad, it's only media studies. Um, so for my BA, I had to choose four courses. I chose media studies. and That was a no-brainer to me because I wanted to be a journalist. And mm. then I went around asking everyone, what's the best <laughs> course to take for a journalist? Yes. Um, and a few people said anthropology because it's the study of culture. And they said to me, I remember someone said, if you are going to write about people, this is an important subject for you to learn because yes. it's it will teach you how to be deeply immersed in um, understanding, studying and learning about people. And so I took that on as I really want to learn about um, writing better about people. I want to write stories that are going to make a difference in people's lives. Mm-hmm. And so I needed all the learning, all the tools and equipments I could get um, to help me write better about people. And anthropology really did that. Just learning about different social spaces. Like we, we read about quite a lot of spaces you know mm. i mean that's i know that sounds so broad um but from like witchcraft to medicine uh, medicine yeah, yeah anthropology of medicine um like there's just so much we take for granted about the stories um that we believe and know about people um that we don't actually pause to think of why um traditions were set up the way they were and when you kind of allow yourself to um deeply 
to be deeply immersed in understanding people, you start to begin to understand why um, some rituals, some traditions um, are important to mm. some communities. And that makes one a bit more um, empathetic and yes. tolerant, you know. Yeah. Because it's easy to be like, ah, Mahadi, like, for example, is like such a patriarchal thing. Mm. But once you kind of sit with the people, sit through the ceremonies um, and get a deep understanding of what this means in this space, you get a different perspective than someone who's just sitting outside and pointing fingers and saying, this is wrong, this is right. Um, and I needed that. I want to, I consider myself a very empathetic person. Mm. So I didn't want to write about people in a way that's going to be judgmental mm. or judgy. It was important for me to do it in a way that's going to dignify their stories. And even with the story about the factory, I, I mean, it's like about... DL men on the down low who visit the space. Yes. But I was very careful of not kind of um, bastardizing down. or looking down mm. um, at them for kind of accessing this space, you know? And um, by being there and really talking to people and seeing their vulnerabilities and just how they were trying to navigate their identities and sexual orientations, I was able to be a bit more empathetic and understanding of the difficulties they have to um, to face in navigating and what lives. a beautiful way to also navigate your space in a country like ours that's got so many different cultures and subcultures and being able to study something like that and write about people in such a dignified manner is absolutely incredible work so well done on that thank you thank you thank there you. is so much we're going to <laughs> unpack tonight welcome Mandla Lishiba on Five Nights he is the author of Boy on the Run one of my favorite reads of of 2023. Wow, somebody who has studied so much. He's got a Master of Arts in Journalism and Media Studies and then an Honours in Anthropology and Media Studies. Los, we studied anthropology together, but then he went on and decided to carry on and on and on and on. A PhD is definitely on the way there. <laughs> yes, <laughs> you bet. Education's amazing though, right? Would Education you ever stop studying? It's amazing. No, I won't I won't stop studying. I actually have so much. I'm even contemplating a second master's before oh, the wow. degree, before my PhD. Even with a PhD, there's like ten thousand options I am contemplating um like what field because I did actually initially um register in jurisprudence. Yeah. Um but you know that's on pause for now. Um but I'm definitely picking it up. Um where do you think you find this passion for education from the passion for education i think i'm a very curious person okay. I, I i mean i think i i used to think everyone was curious you know i think everyone is curious yeah i mean one way or another but i'm very curious um i like to know stuff and i like to almost master something okay if i if i'm curious like if if there's something i'm interested in or i'm curious about i want to take it all the way okay um and so i think that's that's partly it and i've all i've also grew up believing that education was you know the answer to Ooh. the world's problems Ooh. you know i mean in many ways it's not and in many ways it is you know because i feel like the best way we're gonna be able to solve the world's problems is if we understand most of these problems so yes. i'm really committed to understanding the problems i'm especially interested in solving all right on that note let's flip question number one da -da -da. boy on the run boy on the run <laughs> that is your incredible book it's a memoir and you know when i started reading the book i was like this is crazy. Welcome is, is, is my age. I mean, we're born in the 90s and he's already ready to write a memoir. 
Did you find that you had the urge to write this book and you didn't want to wait any longer? Because some people will write a memoir or a, 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 an autobiography a little later in their yes, lives. But yes. you've done it like right now, literally early uh, 30s, you know what I'm saying? Yes, Late 20s, you're already yes. working on it. What drove you to want to write it and write it now? I have definitely thought, oh my gosh, am I really going to debut with a memoir when, yeah. you know, I could be writing about... Um, you know, a ton of things. Um, but I think there was definitely, I had to really remind myself that my story matters. Mm. And there was a great sense of urgency for telling my story because, as you know, um, the big tragedy that happens in my book is that I lose my mom mm -hmm. when I'm 12. Mm. I walk in on the tragic moment when she is shot by her boyfriend mm. who also shot himself. Yes. And it's this um, terrible, tragic scene that changed my life, you know. And so I'd always thought one day I was going to write about that. Um, and one of there are many reasons for I wanted to write about it. One of those reasons was that writing about it healed me, made me feel yes. better, made me overcome the grief. The other reason was that I felt I was too young to have lost my mom. Yeah. And I used to worry that when I grow up, I would forget what she looked like, what yes. she smelled like, um, what our love was like, all the memories I had, because literally the only thing I have, I mean, I still have her love and her spirit lives, but, you know, in my head, the memories we shared mm. um, are everything that I have of her. Mm. And so I wanted to treasure those memories so deeply, so much, that I was kind of always writing about her. I was always writing things I'd remembered because I used to think I would forget, you know? So when I think the other thing that made this book urgent for me was just seeing how often women are killed in South Africa. Absolutely. That it's not just my story, that this is happening to so many people. To, you know, women are being killed, and we don't talk enough about the depth of that loss, you know. Um, it's like we go on a hashtag justice for so-and-so today and like a week later we move on with our lives Absolutely. and that used to really bother me like the 16 days of activism coming up it's like this is the only time people dedicate to having these conversations but this is actually something some of us have to carry all our lives yeah. every single day with like Grief is such a painful thing to have to live with. And so I knew that there are many people who were um, in my shoes and were alienated and kind of, you know, it's so easy when you're going through grief to feel like you are the only one. Mm. to feel like this is this is only just happening to you no one else can understand. no one else can understand and i wanted that experience of i wanted to give my readers the experience of saying i understand because this also happened to me mm. you know i think uh i've and i've been looking for that book in many ways the tony morrison quotes i have Overexhausted <laughs> right now. Um, when she said, "If there's a book you want to write to read write that has it. not been written, you have to write that book." Yes. For me, "Born the Run" was definitely oh, that book, beautiful. and it was important that I gave my readers um that experience. So I had to overlook. Okay, there's a story about me. There's a memoir. It's my first book. I think we're doing things differently now. Yeah. And the personal is political. You know, that's the kind of political movement that's happening now. So I mm. thought for that reason it was absolutely vital and necessary that 
I could start uh, my Facebook with Have a memo. you had people come up to you and say, oh my goodness, I went through the same thing. Oh I also lost gosh. my mom when I was young. And there's also been some violence. There's also been some poverty. There's also been so many. Absolutely. There's been me trying to figure out my sexuality. Have people come to you and, and express those things? You know, when I, fir- when I finished writing my book, actually, I was so sad yeah. because... Writing it was um, like making space for all these emotions, mm. these difficult emotions. Every time I'd sit at my desk and kind of, you know, husa and deal with these emotions and find ways to best describe these experiences to my readers and like open the curtain into my kind of um, vulnerabilities and invite people in. And so when I was done doing that, I was like, oh my gosh, what am I going to do with all these feelings? And a friend of mine gave me such wonderful advice Mm. and said that um, you are done writing the book. The kind of connections and conversations that you are going to have with people after this book are going to be the next healing journey for you. And I have been so moved and I continue to be moved by how people have said, like so many people from all different walks of life, you know, gay people, um, tell, like you're saying, tell me about how they resonate with my story of coming to myself, coming out and finding myself. People who've lost someone, a loved one, anyone, you know, have said to me, they know the pain of what mm. it means to, to lose someone and they, they experience my pain as their pain. And like my friendship like the way i write about my friends with people um people are like oh my gosh that's my friend i'm inspired by that i continue to be so moved by the feedback i have received from this book and i think a great part of that is that i committed myself to being honest and vulnerable you Mm. know because i do know that it's easy for readers to tell when you are kind of posturing um or trying to paint a glorious picture of your life i mean there's definitely like some nice fun joyful moments but it's not one can't say that the book is like a glorious um, representation (laughs) um of my life you know so i tried very hard to give um the good as much as i gave the bad you know you are very close to your family and your friends who you write about in the book i mean your grandmother to money your aunt Lolo, your brother, Mvoyo, your very good friend, who's still your bestie now, which is amazing. (laughs) And it's so crazy uh, reading about somebody's life because now when you see them, it's like, oh my goodness, I know Mvoyo, (laughs) that sounds like my bestie too. (laughs) Shout out to Mvoyo. He's probably listening. He's probably listening, yes, he sent me a text. (laughs) Ah, nice. What was their reaction like when you were done? I mean, for your family in particular, because they were part of that grief that you experienced. I mean, your aunt was at home when your mother died and the tragic accident happened. You know, what was it like for them to read your book? Um, You know, uh, my aunt, my aunt read it and after it came out and she wrote to me very beautifully saying she didn't know I went through half of the things. Um, I went through um, and that she was moved by um, she thought I was a very strong person that I was able to go through that and still keep you know my lights you know I mean that was one thing my aunt had always um, been inspired by or had said she admired and played a big role in helping me overcome the loss of my Mm. mom because I think my family they love and adore me 
but they I think a part of them thought I wouldn't survive what happened to me. Your and grandmother used to worry quite a my lot. My grandmother used to I think she still worries quite a lot. <laughs> <laughs> um and like my family they because you know I'm a very soft person yes. and sweet. <laughs> and so they were like, Oh my gosh, what's gonna happen to yes. him? Um so they've had that for a while. And so to kind of um for my aunt I think it was a way of seeing that oh this is what's happened to you because you know our parents don't really get the full picture mm. of who we are like no. no one actually gets a full picture of who we no. are and a book kind of in many ways gives people even the people who are close to us are like oh i didn't know mm. um this part about you and i've had close friends say to me i didn't know you went through this mm. i didn't know you went through that um so i think that's been that's also been very moving to have um, my family read it um, and my aunt, especially. My aunt is the only one I've spoken to um, who's read it. And I okay. tried to not make a, a big who are like, yeah, what did, did you read? What did you yes. think about it? Because also I was very respectful of people's stories, but I was also not trying to get their permission on how to tell my story. True. It's your you story. Know, it's my story. And there are people who may who may not be, um, who might not be, who aren't happy with how they are portrayed in the book. Um, that's, for the most part, not my business. I believe that if someone said, I forgot who said this, but I, I really love this, that if people wanted you to write better about them or good things about them, they should have treated you better. True. Um, and so anyone who takes an L in my book is because they've earned it. There we go. And there aren't that many yes, people. Right. I'm not, not, I'm not auditioning L's no, in my book. You're not. You know? not at all. <laughs> Thank you. Not at all. I think you wrote so gracefully about most of the characters in the book. I mean, a, yeah. Some of them actually don't deserve that grace. <laughs> but I mean, hey, I'm a graceful queen. <laughs> <laughs> it's your truth. All right, let's flip your next coaster. All right, what is five this? Second five second rule. Five second rule. You're going to answer some questions for me in five seconds. Ooh, Each question is five seconds, but luckily they're all about you, so okay. that's easy. All right. Okay, <laughs> it's actually not as easy because people struggle with this sometimes. It's so crazy. I'm worried already. All right, are you ready? Am I? Mm, well, <laughs> okay, you've got to be. Go. Okay, three, two, one. Three authors you look up to Virginia Woolf. Tony Morrison, mm. James Baldwin. Oh, wow. You Sounds just mentioned like my people. <laughs> For somebody who wants to start writing a book, what are three tips you would give them in five seconds? Um, keep a journal always. Um, read, read, read. And... Um, study. Yeah. Okay. Got it. Love that. I like the part where you mentioned read, read, read. Because how are you writing if you're not reading? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Really, I feel like when you write, um, when you read, you tend to learn a lot about writing styles. Okay. You know. And I love reading my favorite writers to obviously just um take in what they write, but to also admire their style and mm. maybe learn a thing or two about um the craftsmanship and the turn of phrase and what mm. they do with sentences. And Virginia Woolf and Toni Morrison. Great. Our goddesses when it I've comes got to all sentences. Books. <laughs> Brilliant. My 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 bookshelf is full nice, with their books. Nice. So I can agree. We're in the same WhatsApp group. What are three items of clothing you would never wear? Sweatpants. Really? <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I'm in sweatpants right now. Just so My you bad. know, I'm Zanzi. My bad. I'm in sweatpants right now. My and bad. Welcome is saying that he wouldn't wear sweatpants. You don't wear sweatpants. I don't wear sweatpants. I used to own a pair, so maybe never is not quite the word. But I, I, I'm not inclined. So what do you way. wear when you're chilling at home? 
I have like shorts. Yeah. Um, like, like short comfortable, shorts. like yeah. short shorts. Yeah. Um, and like comfortable pants, but so not sweatpants. Winter... <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm so sure. In winter, I have like pajamas. I have pajamas in winter, but they're not sweatpants. And I have like leggings and tights mm. that I wear. Okay. Um, okay. And inside the house because I'm scared of sweatpants because I I feel like. Yeah, they're giving me pajama and <laughs> like inside the house, and people always end up wearing them out. Yeah, yeah, we do. We really do. I live in sweatpants. Literally, live in sweatpants. That was not a jab at you. No, it, it's none taken. Don't worry. Three topics that are very close to your heart: LGBTQI plus rights, um, women's rights, and um, economic freedom for okay. everyone yeah. black people mm. I'm not an EFF member by the way <laughs> <laughs> what are three things you'll never do again you've done them and you wouldn't do them again three things I will never do again oh my gosh <laughs> that's tough yeah that's tough because I'm, I'm an adventurous person. I've done a lot of things, bungee jumping, like a lot of wild yes. things, but I can't think of... Something you wouldn't do again. That means you just live a life of no regrets. That's beautiful. I do, yeah. I mean, I haven't done like really bad things. Like if I'd done drugs, <laughs> I would say I'd never do drugs, yes. but I haven't really. Okay. <laughs> Not really. Not really. <laughs> okay, PG-13, it's a family show. Three albums you can listen to over and over and over again. Everything is Love by the Cutters. Mm-hmm. Um, Daddy Computer by Janelle Monet uh-huh. and Pink Print by Nicki Minaj. Nice. Those are some great options. What are movies you can watch over and over and over and over again? Um, The Devil Wears Prada. Yes. <laughs> the Hours. Yes. Um, and what's the third one? Mean Girls, maybe. Uh, mean don't girls. you like Mean Girls? I like Mean Girls. But I don't know if I'd watch it over really? and over. Oh my word. I need to get it. Yeah, I think I've watched it like a few times, but never really gave it a gave it a big break. You should try and watch Mean Girls again. Okay. okay. I'm gonna do that. The same way you're able I to watch Devil Wears Prada. Yeah. Definitely works. Yeah, we got but. some very cozy weather going on in Joburg right now. Okay, your very last one. Three things you say when you are surprised. Like phrases that you use when you're surprised. <laughs> OMG. <laughs> OMG <laughs> Oh my god So you literally just be like OMG oh my god. the whole time I know that sounds so plastic You know you know what's a bad habit of mine I, I say lol In person lol. Like, <laughs> I'll be laughing and I'll say lol LOL yeah, LOL <laughs> Alright coaster number 3 Let's coaster do this Coaster number 3 Yes Yes uh-huh. Vogue Opera Tell me about what you are currently working on. Then, Goli Vogue Opera. Oh what is it about? Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> yes. I'm so excited for this project. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I've been working as a researcher on this project, the Goli Vogue Opera, mm-hmm. um, which is an opera, mm-hmm. um, this classic... Um, classic, classically trained music musicians, sorry, classically trained musicians who are cast for this. The singing is impeccable on this mm. show. Um, rehearsal started like a few weeks ago and I've just been seeing this come together. Um, 
it's composed by Philip Miller, mm-hmm. um, who's a renowned composer. He did the um, score for Shaka Ilembe. Wow. He's done the Head and the Load for William Kentridge. And he also did the score for Yuzo Yuzo. Oh, wow. Um, and other things. So the cast and the director, Ricky Beetle Blair, um, was one of the writers for Noah's Ark and did a movie, Stonewall. He's a British playwright, actor, choreographer. He's just amazing. And the energy he's bringing into this is so amazing. The Vogue opera is about Simon Goli, mm. who's an anti-apartheid and gay activist. Okay, He really was at the forefront of the LGBTQI movement in South Africa. Mm. Um, Edwin Cameron said um, in public, and he said it to me, um, that if it wasn't for Simon Goli, we wouldn't have the kind of privileges and rights that we enjoy as queer people in mm. South Africa. And they're really, even though he's widely known and celebrated in queer circles in South Africa and all over the world, um, there really isn't much about him. Yeah. So I'm really excited for this project because a lot of young people, um, queer people, don't know about Simon. Yeah. Even with my education from Wits and Rhodes University, I only learned about Simon Goli after all of that. Sure. And so I think it's such, it's so unfortunate for a lot of um, young people that we don't get to know our history. And as queer people, um, I think it's very important that we are taught our history because we are often so lambasted and um, misrepresented and spoken of as um, almost accessories, you know. Mm. So I think it's powerful in this case to learn about a political, a significant political figure. But I think most exciting is about this show is that it's it's a serious story about a significant political figure because he was a big um, voice and role, played a big role in the anti-apartheid movement. Um, like, for example, with the June 16 uprisings, he was one of the people who was at the forefront of negotiating with the government oh to word. find a solution to yeah. this um, students not learning in Afrikaans, you know. So he was really um, a visionary and a statement in so many ways um, that I am excited that his story gets to be told in such a um, groundbreaking fashion yeah. because it's voguing. There's voguing like you think of Vogue culture, pose and purses burning. We're bringing that energy or that vibe. Um, we're bringing classic music to it. There's dance and there's rap. Um, That's beautiful. who's one of my favorite queer rappers, mm. um, is um, a co-lyricist with Philip Miller on this show. Um, and he's bringing he like he writes the reps that that are coming to this are just it's just going to be so epic the show is running from the it's premiering at the market theater from the 17th of november to the 19th of november mm. um and there's a preview discounted tickets for a preview nights on the 16th for people to kind of yes. see the show before the show. Yes, <laughs> it sounds absolutely fantastic. What amazing work you're doing there, telling the story of queer people and an incredible man that everybody needs to know, needs about, to because know about that is exactly why we are where we it's are right now. It's gonna be everything. This show is gonna oh, be everything. I, can't, I can't say that enough. <laughs> it's gonna be everything. You don't want to miss out. I cannot <laughs> wait to see it. Here is your next coaster. Let's do this book attack a book attack okay cool so <laughs> yes book attack? 30 seconds and you are going to name as many african authors as you can oh my gosh okay <laughs> do you want to make them african authors or authors in general you choose um maybe authors in general okay are you ready 30 seconds 30 seconds yeah okay. let's see how many you can name oh my gosh three two <laughs> one let's go 
Um, obviously, Virginia Woolf, Toni Morrison, Chimamanda, um, Nakani Tore, Sia Kumalo, um, Sunyati, um, oh, <laughs> Pumla Kula, mm. um, um, Terry Ann Smith, mm-hmm. um, love her. Um, come on, yourself, <laughs> myself. <laughs> <laughs> I don't count. Mark Hefisa. Um, oh, that was quick. Ten, ten, <laughs> just I ten. I think that was good. Okay, no, I feel like I could have done more. <laughs> Don't be too hard on yourself. Okay. I think that was great. Okay, thank you. You definitely do mention yourself because you're an African author. <laughs> I suppose. Get with the program. Get with the program. Last round. Let's go. Boom. Yes. Lessons in 60 seconds. Lessons in 60 seconds. So you and I are going to get a little bit deep now. Okay. You're going to tell me about some of the biggest lessons you've learned in the categories that I'm going to give you. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Let, hit me. <laughs> I'm going to hit you. Hit All right. Me. <laughs> lessons in 60 seconds. Okay, wait. I don't like that clock. I want a clock no. that I like. Okay. Yes. Okay. I found my clock that I like. Yes. Hit there me, we girl. go. I, wa- I like clocks that have drama. Okay. Woo. Yes. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> drama, 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 drama. That's go. what I want. Okay. Uh, three, two, one. Biggest lesson when it comes to education. Biggest lesson when it comes to education, I think you have to bring your experiences to education. You have to. Um, I've learned that I can't leave myself out the door. I can't leave myself outside of the things I read. I read what I read with my story, with what I've experienced. So I think a lot of people tend to just read, you know, theory and just leave themselves out of it. But you theory, theorizing and making sense of what you're learning and being educated with or on depends on you bringing your experience because that's okay. also a lot of has a lot of educational value in friendship in friendship like oh, i love my friends <laughs> <laughs> um but be or like be the friend you want you know like i love my friends so much yeah grief grief um the biggest lesson with grief is take it one day at a time mm. one step at a time and that writing actually helps that's why i always tell everyone to keep a diary like sometimes letting it out on a paper and releasing your emotions the cathartic experience of writing it down does so much better um because sometimes telling a friend has implications you are worried that they might be too worried i mean we must always be vulnerable i also Mm. believe that but write and take it one day at a time Absolutely love that. Thank you so much. Welcome for coming through. Thank you so much you for have having been me. Absolutely incredible. I'm so sad to go. I know. <laughs> Congratulations on your book. Congratulations on the show that you're working on at the Market Theatre at the moment. Cannot wait to keep reading more from you. Yes, there'll be more coming because as you kept saying, oh, I'm hanging out with the author. I can never get used really? to that. He's an author. I always smile every you time are, they say he's an author. You are an author, honey. So get I'm used to author, it. Author, honey. You Thank you so author. much, honey. <laughs> Welcome on Five Nights. Tastemakers, not your typical run-of-the-mill stories. We're putting a spotlight on movers and shakers from everyday heroes, social stars to A-list celebs, and what's going down on campus.